<laughs> I am happy to report, though, that I have never wound up naked drunk on a uh, tent floor. floor. Uh, Twitter <laughs> might disagree with that statement. <laughs> it, was, no. it was concrete. <laughs> it was no. concrete. No, never had. Oh, my goodness. Well, I'm not going to bring up my past. Though. <laughs> That's unnecessary. Welcome to Talkin' Truth, the podcast that brings together conservative pastor Brian Clark and famous comedian Dan Whitney, a.k.a. Larry the Cable Guy. Oh, boy. Get some popcorn on this. They'll be talking truth about the Bible and life. Now let's join Brian for today's look at God's Word, followed by conversation and a little fun with Brian, Dan, and today's guest, Pastor Nat Crawford. Now, here's Brian. Noah was doing so well. He's a faith hall of famer. He has to be one of the most impressive men of faith in the Old Testament. So how does he end up naked and drunk on his tent floor? I think we all understand that sometimes we live life on the mountaintop and sometimes in the valley. But it's important to realize sometimes we're in the valley because when we were on the mountaintop, we got careless and made some really bad choices. This is what happened to Noah. There's no question, Noah is one of the most impressive men of faith in the Bible. In the midst of a world filled with violence and sin, he stood righteous before God. He spent 60 to 70 years building an ark on dry ground because he believed God that a flood was coming. For 120 years, he waited for the rain while the people around him mocked him and insulted him. But Noah believed. And for all this, Noah ends up in Hebrews 11, the Faith Hall of Fame. So how does he end up drunk and naked on the tent floor? According to Genesis 9, Noah planted a vineyard and God blessed it. In the Old Testament, wine was often symbolic of God's blessing. God was very good to Noah, and he reestablished his life after the flood. And as often happens, when life was easy for Noah, he got careless. When times were hard, Noah did great. Now that life was much easier, he got careless and made some bad choices. I'm going to suggest that we are more likely to make poor choices in the good times than in the hard times. When life is hard, we are much more aware of our need for God. We pray more. We read the Bible more. We are aware of God more. But when times are good, we get careless. We don't tend to be as aware of our need for God. Maybe we don't pray as much. We don't read our Bibles as much. We are more likely to think we can handle things ourselves, and that's often a recipe for trouble. So people fail. Now what? We learn a lot about ourselves when we see how we respond when others around us fail. One of Noah's sons by the name of Ham seemed to delight in his father's shame. Perhaps it was a way to excuse his own sin, or maybe he was tired of his dad's lectures about serving God. Whatever the reason, 
Ham dishonored his father and his nakedness in some way. Noah's other two sons, Shem and Japheth, took a blanket in the tent while walking backward and covered their father's shame. They honored their father by their actions. Noah sobers up and finds out what happened. He curses Ham for whatever it was he did. Noah said Ham's descendants would be cursed. Ham's descendants would be the Canaanites, who would become a significant enemy to the Israelites. His descendants would become godless pagans. What Noah was saying is that Ham was traveling the way of Cain, which then would influence the choices of his descendants. His children and grandchildren would likely become like him. That would be his legacy. Contrary to that, the lines of Shem and Japheth would be blessed because they too would follow the path of their fathers and seek after God. Once again, we have two paths pictured. Shem and Japheth represent the path of Abel, Seth, and Noah, those who surrender to God as God. Ham represents the path of Cain and those who are determined to be their own gods. It's also important to remind ourselves that we may be more likely to make bad choices in the good times than in the hard times. It doesn't take long to go from the mountaintop to the valley. When I'm on the mountaintop, it's easy to get careless. This text is about the legacy we leave based on our choices. When we live right before God, we influence those who come behind us to do the same. Our choices will likely influence the generations who follow us. Two paths, we each will choose one or the other, but which path we choose will not only impact our lives, but likely the lives of those who follow us. The next generation is watching. What are they seeing? Let's bring in Dan and Nat and let's talk about this. Guys, it's pretty sobering to think that my choices will likely impact not only my kids, but their kids too. Yeah, no pressure. No pressure. <laughs> I am happy to report, though, that I have never wound up naked drunk on a uh, tent floor. floor. Uh, Twitter <laughs> might disagree with that statement. <laughs> it, was, no. it was concrete. <laughs> it was no. concrete. No, never have. Oh, my goodness. Well, I'm not going to bring up my past, though. <laughs> That's unnecessary. <laughs> Yeah, it, what what a convicting passage and and thought um, about legacy. We talk a lot about that as parents, and they are always watching. It's not just our children; it's the people around us. It's how we carry ourselves in the marketplace, um, what we say. Um, but I I am convinced that our words matter, uh, our actions matter. But I'll tell you something that's really revealing about our beliefs. It's our reactions. I don't know mm -hmm. if you ever thought about that. But it's funny how life happens um, when you're prepared and you've got your head in the game. You can make those wise decisions and look pretty good. But when life spins out of control, that'll tell you what, what, what's really going on. And it's amazing how easy you can slip back into those old patterns but I'm also thankful for God's grace who can pick up the pieces when I shatter it. Absolutely. And you know what? I mean, this is like, come on. 
I remember I always try to get up in the morning and I, I want to stay connected, you know, so I always get up in the morning and I listen to a, a devotion. Mm-hmm. But I remember when I had melanoma in my eye, when my wife was going through cancer, mm-hmm. or it was, she didn't have cancer, but when she, we thought she might, yeah. especially when I had melanoma in my eye. I remember I'm getting up early and I'm reading the scripture too, because I'm going to do my devotion and I'm going to read. Mm. Didn't miss a day. And then I got the all clear. I still did it, but it faded away. Hmm. Then it just became a devotion in the morning. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's true. You know, and that's a that's a human thing. Hmm. It's ridiculous and it's not right. But you're right. I'm glad that God shows <laughs> grace and mercy because we're I think a lot of people are guilty of that. Hmm. I mean, as we just read the thing. So, yeah, that's really convicting. I mean, that's so true. When things are going good, you don't do as much, and you find yourself slipping into bad habits. But when you keep it up, you don't slip into those bad habits because you're constantly feeding the spirit inside you. So, man, if there's anything that you can get out of this, it's stay engaged every morning, so find a time, I don't want to say every morning, but you got to find a time in the good and in the bad, hmm. you know? Well, and I think that's where it's important to live in community as Christians. I'm not t- saying that we need to live in a bubble. I don't think we should. But having someone to talk about our walk with Christ, how is it going? What is going on in your life? And to keep us engaged in that relationship, because it is so easy to slip. When the hard times come, man, on your knees all the time. Every time. Uh, you know, you do get the, the diagnosis, the unexpected bill, the IRS audit. And guess what? It's time to, to pray, 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 read, 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 look up what does the Bible have to say about the IRS? And, uh, and then, once it's, <laughs> then once it happens and it all goes away... You slip back into those old habits. And I think this is why it's so easy for us to want to play God. Right. right? I mean, it, is, it, it doesn't matter if it is if it is the bad times, because surely people do fall away because of bad times. But they try to control the situation. doesn't do any good. But then when life is good and it's calm and it's peaceful, you go, look what I did. It's all good. I but, got this. But for the people listening to this podcast, you're not the only one that does this. Not I mean, even Nat does it. I don't know if you do it or not. I would doubt it. <laughs> well, this is Brian we don't Clark. need to talk about that. <laughs> but I mean, no, but I'm just saying everybody falls into mm-hmm. that trap. We're human beings. We mm-hmm. fall into that trap. And again, can't emphasize enough. That's where I'm so thankful for the grace of God because he knows we do that. And we just have to... Yeah, and the, and and there's consequences to it. Right. You start falling back into old habits, which could whatever that is could cause a whole nother problem. Hmm. So always try to, no matter what, through the good and the bad, always stay connected. Keep your routine. Stay connected. It's interesting too to think about. It can be very well intended. So, like I would say, one of the things I struggle with regularly is a self-sufficiency. It's like, I'm wanting to do the right thing. I'm wanting to serve God. I'm wanting to change the world. But there's a tendency to do it my way and my strength. 
and plow forward and hope God catches up and gives me a blessing. Hmm. And that often gets me in trouble. It is a form of being my own God. I'm, I'm not as prayerful and as aware and as patient as I need to be. And, and maybe what God wants is different than what I want. Uh, hard to imagine, really, but, <laughs> but maybe he's got a different way of doing this. And so it, it isn't even always bad stuff. Sometimes it's just I'm plowing forward. Life's good. Mm. And it's easy to get yourself in trouble doing that. What do you say to people that go, look, I want God to use me. I, I surrender myself to him. What do you tell the people when they go, how do I know what, what it is God wants me to do? How do I know? How can I find that out? Yeah. So great question. I think it's a couple things. One is God's revealed himself in his word. So you do need to be in his word that helps with that. But the other thing is for people just simply to wrestle with the question, what does it look like to be obedient Hmm. today? Hmm. Sometimes we make this way too complicated. It's like, well, what would it mean to do the right thing today? Hmm. What would it look like to be obedient today? And I think God often guides us with uh, little steps, it's kind of like, uh, what about Bob, baby steps, one right. step at a time, <laughs> and he'll get us there. But but we have these grandiose visions that maybe never come to pass, and we miss what it meant to be obedient today. I, I remember years ago, you probably don't remember this day, but I was sitting across from you, Brian, at a local restaurant, and I was at, a, I guess, a pivotal point, and I remember asking you, how do I know God's will for my life? And you gave me some of the best advice ever. You, you basically said this, God doesn't care if you buy the red car or the blue car. He really doesn't. He does care, however, if you have a choice between an older uh, Impala or a brand new Mercedes and you can't afford the Mercedes, yet you go out of your way to get that thing that you want to have. In other words, obedience. So quit trying to overcomplicate God's will for your life. It is to glorify him, right, and to live in, in a life pleasing to him, not, a, not a, as a means of, of earning salvation or keeping salvation, but rather out of the outflow of your love for him. And I thought, man, do you know how freeing that is? So I don't have to worry about all these things and is this God's will or is it not? It comes back down to the heart of obedience. Am I willing to submit myself to him, to recognize him as God in my decision-making? Again, red or blue doesn't matter, but rather the heart of the issue, what's going on there. And that was some of the best advice I've ever given, and I've stolen it and given it away freely as well. So I'm not, there's no real benefit there. Right, we're all passing it around. Right. And for the people listening that want to be, want to be used, I mean, just like Brian said, just stay in the Word, and things will start to happen. I mean, you may be changing somebody's life and not even knowing it. Mm-hmm. You may he may be working through you, and you don't even know it. Chances are that they, you're they, they are. Yeah, that you're doing that. You, so you have no idea. Um, I do want to add this. A lot of people probably think Jacob was the start of the Jewish race, correct? Uh, Abraham would have been the beginning, and then... So Abraham. Isaac, and then Jacob. Mm-hmm. Okay, so because a lot of people might think, well, did the Jewish race start with Noah since he was the... But mm-hmm. Noah was not Jewish. No. 
No, that's why he named his son Ham. It was, <laughs> <laughs> this got really cheesy. Oh, just oh, letting wow. you know that if you ever wanted to know if he was Jewish, that's yes, how you right. can tell that it did not start with Noah. That's man, that's, that's so deep. easy to know. Yeah. Okay, I I do want to ask a serious question here because the topic of legacy, as I said, is something we talk about as as parents, and there's a lot of people who look backwards and they stay trapped. They stay trapped. I'm this way because my parents did this. My grandparents did this. Is that true for the Christian today? Are we trapped by our past, Brian, or is there a hope to make a change for the future? We're absolutely not trapped. I do think one of the things that happens is because of the way God created family, we were intended to experience God at home through our mom and dad. They become God figures, Mm. and so we end up formulating really uh, poor, uh, a very poor view of God that then makes it very difficult to trust God. And so I I think there's merit in going back and trying to separate out heavenly daddy from earthly daddy and some Mm. of these things. Mm. But whatever the past is, it's past. And we need to trust God and move forward. You you can't change that. Hmm. But there is merit in trying to figure out how it affects my view of God and my relationships with other people and begin to make necessary changes. And I think that's where the Genesis 1 through 11 comes into. That guides your view of life. And Genesis 1 through 11 is... Forgiveness. You have mm-hmm. to be able to forgive to move on. Right. So I think uh, a lot of people just don't like to forgive. Yeah. And one of, one of the other parts of the story in this episode is so Noah blows it. Mm-hmm. Now how are his kids going to respond? And I, I think we do learn a lot about ourselves yep. when people blow it and how to res- respond to them. Mm. You know, as a pastor, I can't count the number of times where someone has messed up, and the, the I I contact them, and the question is always, "What can I do to help?" Hmm. They're expecting condemnation. They're expect to get whacked. It's like, okay, now it happened. Mm-hmm. What can I do to help? And let's get this thing back on track because we're all going to mess up. That's just part of the story. And isn't that not a perfect picture of what God does with us? Absolutely. I, I, I was saying about that recently. I had a, um, a parenting opportunity, and I had a choice to make. I could respond out of anger and out of condemnation, which would have been very easy because of being broken. But instead, I heard Brian Clark in my ear saying, <laughs> grace-based parenting. And I, I stopped and I said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. And I said, I want to let you know I'm not mad. I love you very much. What's going on? That changed everything. Yeah. That's a great example because I think every parent, so as dads, every time I discipline one of my kids or deal with a situation, I am picturing for that child, this is how God responds to you. Mm-hmm. I'm picturing God to you. Hmm. So you can see if that's done poorly, a child's view of God gets really messed up. If it's done well, it's a beautiful thing. Yep. And also, if you're a parent out there and you say, you know what, I've done it well, my kids still rebelled, guess what? We have a perfect Heavenly Father and we still run wild, but His grace is always sufficient. 
I hit him with a rolled up newspaper. Well, that might be the first problem. <laughs> right, unroll it. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Talking Truth. Ryan and Dan will be back soon with more episodes, so be sure to subscribe. Today's Talkin' Truth is powered by GoTandem, the free spiritual fitness app. Download GoTandem today and get spiritually fit. Get her done.